The episode of SG1 that we're about to review deals with themes of attempted suicide and addiction. If these topics are triggering for you, please feel free to skip out on this one. Also know that there is help out there if you or somebody that you love is struggling with these issues. In the United States, you can call the Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255, or you can call 1-800-662-4357 to reach substance abuse and mental health services. Additionally, in most states, you can simply dial 211 for access to local social services. If you're one of our beloved listeners outside of the U.S., you can visit befrienders.org. That's B-E-F-R-I-E-N-D-E-R-S dot org for information about mental health services in your country. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Dr. Frazier says his Frazier, uh, his Frazier <laughs> systems, well, Dr. Frazier says his systems are all out of whack. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And we discuss an episode of Stargate, beginning with Stargate SG-1. Yay! Woo-hoo! How are you? I feel very short today because I have a new to this space, newish to me, yet very old, possibly haunted chair that haunted I'm sitting in. chair. Currently. And it's significantly shorter than the chair I was sitting ah. in before. So I had to put a couple of cushions in it and I have to sit up a little <laughs> taller. Ooh. Yeah. It's actually a really cool chair. It uh, I've had it for a few years. I inherited it from my aunt when she passed away. And she inherited it from my great-grandmother. And supposedly it is so old that my great-great-grandmother used to actually rock my great-grandmother in it when she was a baby, which makes it at least 116, 117, no, 118 years old. That's old. This chair. And uh, possibly even older because I don't know that any of my, you know, my great-grandmother's older siblings may also have been rocked in it and who knows how long the family had it before that. So it's a very old chair. And my aunt and uncle, before my aunt passed, my aunt and uncle reported that on multiple occasions they've seen this chair rocking by itself with no one sitting in it. Oh, boy. So I haven't seen that. And I've had it for a couple of <laughs> years, but it's been in the basement for the last couple of years until we moved. And now I've refinished it. And by refinished it, I mean just put a coat of wood polish on it so that it looks actually almost brand That's new. That's awesome. Despite its age. But I've never seen it rocking on its own. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping it stays that Did way. Did <laughs> you have it down in the murder room? It was in Maybe the murder room. Maybe the yeah. murderous spirits murdered the spirits that were rocking that chair. Oh, it could have been. But any, I think any ghosts that would have been haunting this chair would have been oh, my family yeah, you members. Don't want to them. my knowledge, they weren't yeah. murderous. <laughs> like my, my aunt and actually still my uncle uh, thought that that, ha- that house was haunted by my uh. great-grandmother and uh, my great-grandfather. So, like I said, to my knowledge, <laughs> it's only family members that would have been hanging and around there. you don't there. necessarily uh, want them to go away anyway, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I never met my great-grandfather, but from what I hear, he was a cool guy, and I know for a fact that my great-grandmother was awesome, because I yeah. did know her, so. Very cool. Uh, yeah, so uh, if you're if you're hanging around in my closet here, hi! Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're not my family members, in which case, get out, please, <laughs> and don't come back. <laughs> so that's my fun story Yay. for the day. How I'm doing you? okay. Did some laundry. It was very exciting. And by exciting, I mean really boring and <laughs> something I try not to do very often. 
So, yeah. I actually don't really do much laundry. Jeff does most of the laundry, thankfully. Yeah, I I don't leave my house a lot, so I find I don't have as much laundry as I used to. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I go to work, but my work clothes aren't that many or varied, so. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't leave nearly as often as he does so yeah. i think that's the main reason that also i have way more clothes than he does mm. so he runs out of clothes a lot yeah. faster than i do and that's the main reason that he does laundry to my knowledge yeah, hey and if you're if you're doing laundry you might as well do it all yeah yeah, yeah. right yeah we're not we're, we're not jerks <laughs> we don't separate each other's laundry out when we're doing laundry <laughs> yeah which is good because then i'd probably never have clean clothes because i don't like laying the, yeah. doing the laundry yep yeah, so I've avoided it for a couple of weeks, but it was it was time to stop avoiding it. Yes. So, yeah. But now yeah. it's clean. So Yay. exciting. Everyone's so thrilled to hear that. You guys, I have clean clothes. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. It is amazing. Clean clothes are good. Very. Yeah. As are functioning bunkers. Indeed. For that matter, like we'll be talking about in this episode today. Functioning bunkers? Bunkers. You know, they're in like a bunker thing. Clean clothes are good. Functioning bunkers what are bunkers? good. What bunkers? Do we watch the same episode? Oh, shit. I'm thinking about the episode. No, I'm thinking about the episode. Oh. I just it. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, don't mind me. Which I... It's been quite a week. It's been quite a weekend of Stargate yeah. for me since I spent pretty much all day yesterday editing a podcast and then watching this episode that we'll be talking about. And... Now we're going to be recording this episode, so it's an extra Stargate-filled weekend for me. You made me really nervous. Like, did I watch the wrong thing three times? This has has nothing to do with clean clothes. Well, this does have to do with clean clothes. Oh, yeah, they're totally filthy in this. Because they're really dirty (laughs) in this, except for Daniel. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess our our talk of dirty laundry could segue us into this episode. Yeah. Yeah. What is this, this episode? episode is Stargate SG-1 Season 2, Episode 5, Need. Need. In case a ghost was talking. You know, just That's how <laughs> all ghosts speak. So Yes. I have yet to pick up on like any EVPs <laughs> on my tracks. But also, this is the first time that I've had this chair in this closet yes. with me. Although this isn't the first time that I've had old family heirlooms in this closet with me so so we'll see if my microphone picks anything It'll be crazy up today. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> i somehow doubt that i will so yeah need yeah. there's some yeah. need happening in this episode there there is some need happening we're on a planet that is not earth teams <laughs> just you know important yes. distinction <laughs> for this show <laughs> On this planet that is not Earth, the team is watching the Stargate from a distance because there is a group gathered there, many people wearing robes, and mm-hmm. the gate is open, and they are sending something through the gate, which Teal'c identifies as Nakoda. I thought it was a hagfish yeah. at first. I was, I was glad it <laughs> <Me> wasn't. <too. laughs> the folks standing around the gate are mostly dressed in robes there are some people in jaffa gear as well i noticed that the jaffa people didn't have the same tattoos that teal cad i did not pay attention closely enough for that oh yeah they're not they're not the sneak tattoo they were like a circle with some triangle stuff and symbols who that was 
don't know. We never know. I don't think we actually find out. Yeah. Sam points out they could use some Nakoda. And Jack's like, maybe there's more. So they move around and then we get a glimpse of a big pyramid. (laughs) (laughs) And the there are some people you can see kind of working down there and the line of the the people who were at the gate are walking back that way. I liked all the clinking noise that I'm sure was driving you crazy as I was watching it. I was like, ooh, the clinking noise that Kathy probably hates as much as she hates. It wasn't as sound. bad in this episode. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't quite as loud yeah. and obvious as but the last time we, we got to see a mine. <laughs> but, but it, it was, I was there. To myself as it I was, was watching there it. periodically through the episode, but not. it was not as offensive yeah. as the last episode with all of the clinking. <laughs> tink, 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 tink. so this group is walking back to the pyramid presumably and one of them in a very very shiny robe shinier than the rest of them breaks Mm -hmm. off and almost looked a little leopard printy to me too which apparently daniel's attracted to shiny things because he decides to (laughs) wander off and follow this person can you blame him? Shiny <laughs> things are true. pretty great. <laughs> there really is no reason he did that. It's he just no. He just had to go follow this one person. Just, yep. The robed figure then moves into the woods and removes the hood, and it's some lady. Oh. So she walks over to a cliff edge and stands there, her arms extended out. Jack says she's gonna jump. So Daniel makes a run for it and grabs her just in time so she does not fall, but instead screams in surprise. No, no, ah, at the back of the throat. Ah. No, 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 ooh, in surprise and alarm. Which prompts some Jafada come up and hold them hostage. But then SG-1 comes up behind the Jaffa and points their weapons. But then more Jaffa show up and point their weapons. <laughs> so the woman tells daniel that the team needs to lower their weapons or they're gonna get killed so they put down their guns and we head to credits yeah also worth mentioning they jaffa referred to her as the princess in this scene so we learned that she's pretty important that's why she gets the shiny robes yeah after the credits we are inside the pyramid now sg1 is led into a throne room of some sort. Jack is really pissed at this point and asks Daniel what he was thinking, but Daniel said that he thought that the woman would be grateful. The Jaffa force SG-1 down on their knees, and the woman from before is standing in front of a pretty angry-looking guy in robes who's seated in the throne, and she introduces him as her father, Pyrus, the god slayer and the ruler of this planet and says that he would like to know who they are. So Daniel says that they're peaceful explorers, but Pyrus starts speaking for himself at this point and accuses them of attacking his daughter. And Daniel's like, no, tell him, addressing the woman at this point. And Pyrus says, only one of you is actually Jaffa. So he comes up and like, he was really closely inspecting Sam and like playing yeah. with her hair and like looking at her face in super yes. rude ways. It was icky. Jack 
tells them that they're from Earth, and Pyrus asks what Guawold rules there, and Jack's like, well, none. So Pyrus does not believe that and accuses them of being liars and thieves and orders them sent down to the mines. And Daniel is looking very indignant <laughs> about this injustice <laughs> as they're being let out. That's what you get, Daniel. Don't be nice to people. Yep. Don't save their lives. <laughs> Lesson learned. The team is put to work in the mines, so they're whacking rocks with tools, presumably <laughs> looking for Nakwita. Sam says that the ruler isn't a Gould, and she doesn't think that the Jaffa are actually Jaffa either. Jack wants to know how she knows this, and she says the first clue was his voice, which Jack, keen observer, also picked up on. Mm. <laughs> she says she can't explain, but she just felt it, that... Lately, she's been getting a weird feeling near Tilk and thinks that, <laughs> which Jack's like, don't we all? Lately, I, I get this weird feeling when I'm near Tilk. Hey, who doesn't? <laughs> she thinks this is an effect of her, Jolinar's takeover of her body that she can now sense gold. And she does not get that feeling with Pyrus or the Jaffa. Tilk can, yeah. yeah. She specifies that she could feel it like even now as they're standing there from yeah. Tilk, but that she didn't get the feeling from the yeah. others before. Tilk confirms the ruler is not a gold. Jack wants to know how this is helpful, and Sam's not sure. <laughs> Daniel apologizes because this is all his fault. Mm -hmm. Then one of the Jaffa guards comes up because they have stopped clinking their rocks, and he <laughs> demands that they meet their quota or they will not eat. Yeah. Get back yes. to clinking. Jack melts off, so he gets yeah shocking. <laughs> so he gets knocked down, and Daniel and Sam get a shove too, and he, they're told to get back to work. So they do. Quick shot outside to see that it is now nighttime, and then we're back in the mines again. Daniel complains that he can't move anymore, and the team is still hard at work. Some other prisoners are marched in, and their ankles are released from the shackles that have apparently been around. All of them at this point. And Jaffa asks Jack if he feels better now without the thing on his ankle. And Jack's like, yeah, much better. And then he hits the guy. <laughs> and the rest of SG-1 join in the fight. They manage to get a staff weapon off of one of them. And then they run off down a corridor. Daniel's lagging behind and limping, so apparently he's gotten hurt at some point. And another Jaffa runs up and shoots from behind, missing Daniel, but causing a cave-in of rubble on top of Daniel. And so SG-1, of course, goes back to see if he's okay, and they find he is still alive despite all these boulders sitting on him. But Jack tells Tilk and Sam to run, and he's going to stay behind with Daniel to try to help out. Sam is pretty reluctant, but he orders them to leave. However, before they're able to, a couple more Jaffa come up from the opposite direction, blocking off their escape. Ah! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Then we're in the throne room with Pyrus and his daughter, who he calls a foolish child and thinks that SG-1 must have been sent by distant evil gods to raid their mine. And so we get a lot of little bit of backstory here. So it's they've been mining Nakwita and it's clear that they are starting to run low on their supply. It's getting harder for them to mm -hmm. find the Nakwita and they can't spare any. She promises she won't put the world in jeopardy and she reminds him that... That's a good promise yeah. to make. 
<laughs> Generally, it's good to avoid putting your world in We jeopardy. also learned that dad seems to be on the way out a little bit because she says that she will mm-hmm. have to make these choices when he's gone and he needs to believe in her. Then he leaves. And she walks around and pushes a button, which opens up a panel on the throne setting. I've... Did you notice that there were Mayan hieroglyphics no. on that panel, which I thought was weird? At least they looked more Mayan than Egyptian. Not that I'm any expert, but I thought it was interesting. I yeah, I, I I was not paying close attention to the decor, apparently. Yeah, everything else looked yeah. Egyptian except for huh. the panel. And what happens? We find a sarcophagus. Yeah. And Daniel is inside the sarcophagus. He awakens and sits up and looks around, wants to know what's going on. So she recaps that they escaped and he was wounded and their friends were recaptured. She asks his name. He says he is Daniel Jackson. And she gives him a hand out of the sarcophagus. Daniel is wearing different clothing now. He's in fancy robes. So she took the liberty of dressing him, she says, in royal robes. <laughs> yeah. Like, personally? It sounds like it. a little weird. I yeah. think so, and though, yeah. you can call her Shyla, she says. Actual cannibal Shyla. She warns him not to try to escape again. She's taken personal responsibility for him, and it would be rude to try and hurt her as well. <laughs> it would be pretty rude. I think hurting people it, is it pretty would. rude, usually. <laughs> it would be rude yes. regardless, yeah. <laughs> Daniel responds that it is kind of rude to chain him and his friends in a mine. And she then apologizes for not telling her father about the incident on the cliff because he would not understand. Daniel then recaps that dad is not a ghoul, but he's running a Nakoda mine and he's got a sarcophagus. Shyla seems very excited that he's heard of the sarcophagus. And he says he's used one a couple times and that has been too many times already. Daniel asks for his glasses back, and they are broken a little bit. That sucks. (laughs) A little bit. One of them was, like, one of the lenses was shattered. (laughs) That's only a little bit broken. As somebody who can see out of only one eye, it's only important to be able to see out of one of your glass lenses. Uh, As somebody who has used to, before LASIK surgery, had to wear glasses, I would be pretty pissed if one entire lens was shattered on my glasses. Okay, (laughs) fair. But yes, you're correct. You (laughs) technically really just need one eye to see. (laughs) Daniel puts the glasses on and she laughs at him. She also says that she has done the right thing by rescuing and saving his life and then pulls him away to show him something. Back down in the mine, the rest of SG-1 is back at work. Sam is worried about Daniel and says that he needs some serious medical attention. And Jack's like, yeah, I know. And Sam also tries to reassure him that what happened was not Jack's fault and that they needed to take that opportunity to escape when they had it. And Jack's like, yep, know that too. And then they drink some nasty ass looking water. They do. Yeah. After that, we are out in the woods with Shyla and Daniel. They're going for a little stroll. Daniel asks why we are here. I think meaning, why did Shyla bring him out there? Like we as in the two of them, not like we as in why is SG-1 here? And Shyla's like, you can't have seen anything as beautiful as this on other worlds. We call them trees. (laughs) Daniel's like, yeah, so do we. And she's really surprised that they have trees on other planets and that he's seen them before and wants to hear all about his adventures uh, in all of his travels. And, of course, Daniel doesn't really care to share all of that because he's really just concerned about the rest of SG-1 at this point. And Shyla explains that 
her father doesn't trust them and that she thinks that and that he thinks that they're up to something. She promises that together they will convince him that that's not the case. Daniel's like, all right, great. How about we do that right now? <laughs> Shiloh's like, well, we can't because he's not available right now. He's not well. And Daniel's like, well, I don't want to spoil things, but I'm I'm really grateful that you're saving me and that you that you saved me and that you're promising to help my friends but i'm pretty sure you're only doing this because dot 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 she cuts him off saying you're my destiny i'm your density i mean your destiny <laughs> daniel's what? like Shyla shares a story about how before her mother died, she would take long walks with her at night and they would look up at the stars. And Daniel's like, yeah, but what about this destiny thing? <laughs> so Shyla says that her mother told her that a man would come for her from beyond the sun and that this would be, you know, this would be the her one. Her twoo love. 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 And... She had pretty much given up hope on this ever actually coming true until just at the right moment, Daniel saved her from dying and it must be fate. Very fateful. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. You can, <laughs> I don't know what that was. You can just. <laughs> In the caves, Jack, Teal, and Sam are still mining away. Daniel comes for a visit. The, the team is pretty sweaty and dirty. Yes. They need to do. They do need to do laundry. Point. Maybe have a shower, a little nap. Yeah, it'd be it'd do them worlds yeah. of good. Yeah, all of that. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's not why Daniel's there to help them with that. He comes in and confirms that Sam was right that Pyrus is not a Gould. Jack wants to know what's with the dress. Daniel's like, they're my royal <laughs> robes, and he shares that they have a sarcophagus. That the princess saved his life with the sarcophagus because she has a crush on him. And he's her density. (laughs) Jack's like, good job. Let's get out of here. And Daniel's like, whoa, not yet. This is a sensitive situation. They haven't agreed to let them go. Daniel just wanted to let them know that he's okay and that he will talk to them at dinner. And Sam very longingly says, you get dinner. dinner. (laughs) I'm so sad. (laughs) <laughs> and to make it worse, Daniel's like, it is a feast in my honor. Yeah. And, yeah. Way to rub yeah. it in, Daniel. <laughs> Good job. And he needs more time. He asks the team to trust him. They seem a little skeptical with good reason. Yeah. But... <laughs> and he leaves yeah. them there. <laughs> yeah. They all look pretty exasperated yeah. at that point. Understandably. Yeah. yeah. So at dinner... It's in the throne room. There's Daniel sitting there alone at a banquet table and some servants come in and drop off food. Shyla and Papa Pyrus come in and sit down. Did you say Daniel did you stands say Papyrus up? Papyrus or Papa Pyrus? <laughs> oh, okay. Papa Pyrus. <laughs> we could just shorten that to Papyrus. <laughs> Daniel stands up and introduces himself, but Pyrus doesn't really care and is already sitting down and digging into the food. Shyla tries to be all formal and say that they're honored to have him there and that maybe if Daniel's lucky, Pyrus might even share the story of how he became the God Slayer. And Pyrus, who just keeps eating at this point, is like, yeah, I killed the ghoul that ruled here. <laughs> and 
that's that's the story. Daniel asks how long ago that was, and Pyrus says that it was about 700 years ago, and Daniel's like, what? Oh, right, sarcophagus. Yes. And so he really asks, so, Shiloh, does that mean that you're... <laughs> she's like, oh, no. <laughs> she doesn't share how old she actually is, but she's, she's very young by comparison and then doesn't use the sarcophagus to extend her life, at least not Do yet. You... Yeah. Anyway. Do you wonder how many iterations of wife and children he's had in these 700 years and they all yeah, died I... not getting a chance to rule because this old man just kept living? <laughs> That's a good question. You would think maybe they would use this sarcophagus on them, but maybe he just liked this daughter best and he's like, well, screw those maybe. other kids. I'm just going to keep this one and those other ones can maybe. die. Or maybe he know. never had any except for her. Who knows? Yeah. We never really could have had many. And now they're all working in the mines and dead. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Also possible. Maybe that's where all the people in the mines came from. They're all his progeny. (laughs) Except for this one, who is his favorite. Daniel asks if the reason that all the people here worship him is because he's lived so long. And she's like, well, no, you've liberated them from the Gua'uld. And Daniel's like, well, they're all still slaving in the mines, though. And Shiloh's like, yeah, well, that's just so that the gods won't come back. So Daniel kind of puts everything together and he's like, oh, okay, so this is all just a fake. It's a fake. You keep sending the Naquita through the gate so that nobody will notice that the gold that was here isn't here anymore. And you just keep this whole thing going so that, because you're afraid that someone's going to find out and come back to check on what's happening. Pyrus suddenly just stands up and decides that it's sleep time. And Daniel's like, wait, I need to talk to you about my friends. And Pyrus is like, all right, kill them. <laughs> Obviously not quite the answer that Daniel was hoping yeah. for, but Shyla tries to stick up for them and she's like, well, you said that their punishment for trying to escape would be to work in the mines without rest for as long as they live as an example to the other workers. Like, How is that supposed to be better? Because that's going to also end up in it killing is, them. But at least within a couple days. So <laughs> at least she buys them a little that's... bit of time. And this is I clearly guess. not a thing he ever said. She just put it in his head because he is old right. and can't remember shit anymore. Anymore. Yeah, because he asked her, he's like, I yeah. did? She's like, oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> reminds me of the time that I went to go see my grandmother with my cousins, and we were talking to her, and in the conversation, it came out that she believed my uncle had flown back from his vacation in Florida to go grocery shopping for her right in the middle of it and then flew back because he told her that. Wow. I was like, way to gaslight the elderly oh, what the hell that's, that's bad <laughs> but it's just oh, i mean this was in the service of saving people's lives in this instance but i'm like oh yeah. man maybe don't don't do that to people <laughs> right like did did she have food i can't remember i mean i'm sure she has food but that's not how she got the food oh. <laughs> well at least she yeah. had food though no, I, my, and he wasn't like at least trying he wasn't trying to convince her no there's totally food there you just don't my grandmother it. did not starve to death Okay, good. It's a weird thing my uncle told her one time that she held on to. Wow. Anyway, sorry. Tangent. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Learning all kinds of family stories today. Oh, yeah. So after Shyla has told this to Pyrus, he just kind of walks away without saying anything. And then she also leaves Daniel standing there, not looking too thrilled about that conversation. At some point a little later, maybe... Shiloh tells Daniel not to worry that she will have the guards treat his friends well. 
And Daniel is like, this is unacceptable. My friends are important and you're probably doing this on purpose to spend time with me. You did that on purpose. And she's like, I would like that. Daniel's like, how about you release my friends and I'll stay and we'll get to know each other. And then she totally misinterprets what's going on and says, you feel as I do and kisses him. (laughs) She's a little deluded here. Hold on. So she realizes something's not right. So she's like, I shouldn't have done that. And Daniel's like, it's okay. Shyla thinks that Daniel is not fully recovered is the problem. Or at least she tries to yes. convince him. And she, Does she really believe I don't that? know. She sure. insists he go back in the sarcophagus. Mm. You'll do it for me? She promises he will feel better than he has ever felt. Trust me and I will trust you. I promise. There's lots of promises happening in this scene. She removes his glasses and he climbs back in the sarcophagus in his fancy robes. I just have to say that as somebody who's really claustrophobic, it doesn't, it hasn't bothered me before when they've put somebody unconscious in the sarcophagus, but watching somebody like get in and lay down and close his eyes and have it closed on him while he's still awake really freaked me out. (laughs) It was hard to watch. Likewise, later when we see Pyrus getting in, I was like, ah, no. Don't do that, guys. (laughs) I hate this. I hear you. I mean, like I said, at least in my little cave here, I can open my door, but like having a giant stone slab close on you and a coffin thing, no. Are you you. awake if you go in there awake? Does it put you to sleep? I wonder how that works. I would certainly (laughs) hope so. (laughs) Otherwise, I'd be panicking within two seconds. Yeah. Go home. Do, do, do. I guess I would just be... (laughs) Just here. I guess I'd just be destined to die because i would never get into a sarcophagus (laughs) probably even i mean if it was going to save my life i guess i would try my best but i suppose yeah nighty night daniel back on earth in the control room there's an alarm for an incoming wormhole walter tells hammond that it's sg1's code but that there's no travelers coming through and it's just a message and we hear daniel's voice saying that the mission status is the same he just needs more time for a diplomatic resolution and he'll be in touch again in 24 hours we get a close-up on Hammond looking unamused, but he does not say anything. No. We get an outside view of the pyramid again, and then we're back down in the mine. SG-1 minus Daniel is still working. SG-3 quarters, you mean. SG-3 quarters is down in the mine, still working. And Daniel comes down, and he looks a little bit confused and dazed, and SG-3 quarters is like, what the fuck? It's been days. Where have you been? And Daniel's like, oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, you know, I've been working and uh, I've discovered some really cool things about the sarcophagus. And Jack's like, you do know we're dying down here, right? Daniel's like, yeah, but the sarcophagus is really cool. And I've been studying it more. And it's amazing what it does if you're already healthy. Look, no glasses. (laughs) He's like excitedly pointing at his face. And Sam is very skeptical of what he's doing. She thinks it sounds like it's a bad idea to be repeatedly using it, especially if you're not dead or dying. And Daniel tries to reason with them that, like, well, he's just got to get Shyla to trust him. So if she wants him to use the sarcophagus, he's going to use the sarcophagus. Sam's like, yeah, but the fact that you don't need your glasses anymore means that you are having some side effects of some sort. And Tilk... I noticed Tilk really doesn't have a whole lot of dialogue no. in this episode because we get a view of him just having skeptical face, but he doesn't say anything. <laughs> he doesn't need to with that face. So that's true. <laughs> that's true. His face speaks volumes. <laughs> 
So Jack is, of course, insistent that he, Daniel needs to get them out of there. And Daniel's like, oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, like a million yes. And he just tells them that he just needs more time. And he lets them know that he's told him and everything is okay. So he's got it all under control. Everything is going to be just fine. Sam wants to know how many times he's used the sarcophagus. He's like, I don't know, nine or ten times, but it's great. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. I feel great. And oh, by the way, I'm going to marry Shyla. <laughs> <laughs> so then he goes to leave and Jack's like, wait, look. And Daniel's like, Daniel suddenly gets super angry about how he feels like Jack has never truly respected him and that they're not trusting him and that he's got it all under control and they just need to hang in there. And he leaves, and SG three quarters just stands there looking pissed. Understand? Yes. <laughs> yeah. What's up, Daniel? What are you doing? Yeah. Being something's dishy. wrong with Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> Quite. Daniel and Shyla are in the throne room. They're talking about her dad, Pyrus. He has a name. I could use it. <laughs> Papa Pyrus. Papa Pyrus. Yes. <laughs> the sarcophagus does not help Papa Pyrus as much as it used to. <laughs> and she's going to be queen seemingly very soon, it seems like, based on how yeah. frail and old he is now. Daniel's yeah. like, is that so bad? And Shyla says, you don't approve of my father's ways. And Daniel says that they can make it easier for them to mine Nakwita and defend them against the gold if only you'll trust me. Which sounds great for the people in the mines. Hopefully that happens. We'll see. Yeah. (laughs) Then Daniel says that he doesn't think she meant any harm with the way that she's treated his friends and stuffed them in a mine. Yeah. Yeah. So he's still acting pretty out of character. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. You had good intentions. It's fine that you're torturing my friends to death. Still. They'll be okay. Shiloh wants him to stay. And Daniel says he's never felt better in his life. That he's felt out of place and wanted to make a difference. And there's so much she doesn't know about him. It just seems like a weird it, thing to say to someone. There's so much you don't know I about know. Me. I can't imagine ever saying that to anybody under any no. circumstances. At least not in that tone of voice, I guess. Like, maybe if somebody is, like, assuming they know a lot about you and you're like, no, you know nothing about yeah. me. Yeah, that's fine. But he's like, no, there's just there's just so much yeah. you don't know about me. And I don't understand. <laughs> I get, like, he didn't used to feel he you know, like he had a place in the world, but he's had a place in the world for the last couple yeah. of years now. Right. Also, what about Abydos? Didn't he feel like yeah. he fit in there? Because he seemed to be pretty happy there and not really wanting to leave until his wife was kidnapped. Well, I mean, I think this episode shows that Daniel in this state barely remembers his wife and maybe barely remembers true. his time on Abydos. Who knows? True. <laughs> also true, yeah. Shiloh approaches Daniel and says, I know all I need to know and that they can change things here together. Together. Back down in the mine, the team is looking very tired. Sam is getting pretty spacey and all of a sudden says, we don't use the sarcophagus. (laughs) And everyone looks at her and she, in a daze, explains that she's been having visions of Jolinar and of the Tok'ra. And she seems really confused, but says that she's remembering that there's a reason that they don't use the sarcophagus. 
but she's having trouble remembering what it is and that it just it does bad things to people and it makes it takes something from you and she asks Tilk what Kalish means. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yep. Kalish. <laughs> and Tilk is slow to answer because he's also seeming really drained even despite his hagfish, but he eventually says it is Gua'uld. It means one's soul. And with that, Sam is like, we have to stop Daniel. <laughs> Up in the throne room, two guards drag a very filthy and barely able to walk Jack in before Daniel, who is sprawled, sleeping on the throne. And Jack mocks him as the man who would be king. And with that, the guards knock him down. Although really, if they had just let go of him, he obviously would have just fallen over anyway, because it's pretty clear that the only reason he was standing was because they were holding him up. Why drop somebody when you can just... Yeah. When you can throw yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> Fair point. Daniel's like, Jack! And he giggles and he's all kinds of happy and like gets up off the throne and sits forward on the, the platform and is like kicking his feet around and snaps his fingers at the guards and motions for them to leave. And once they're gone, Jack's like, we're losing this battle here. You need to help us. Sam's having flashbacks of the Gua'uld that was in her and the fact that sarcophagi are sarcophagi. A sarcophagus is really bad to be using and it's making you turn evil. And Daniel's like, no, we're going to get out of here tomorrow. It's fine. I did agree to marry her when she suggested it. And I've straightened things out. I've told her I've got things to straighten out at home and that I need to go back for a little while and that I need to take you all with me when I do. And Jack's like, she trusts you to do that? And Daniel's like, well, she loves me. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Toying with people's emotions. Yeah, it's great. But I mean... (laughs) She's she's sketchy. Yes. So. <laughs> so nobody's really in the right here. No. <laughs> Shyla and Papyrus are talking. <laughs> she says that they have done a grave injustice to the SG one team and that she needs to let Daniel go. Because if you love something you must set it free. <laughs> and if it comes back, exactly. She is certain he's going to come back. And then she also says, he can't live without me anymore, which is yeah. super ominous. That's ominous, <laughs> yeah. right? And gross also. And she helps dad into the sarcophagus. Yep. That was creepy. It was creepy. Very creepy. That's, that's, that's not relationship no. goals. That's that's just unhealthy. <laughs> Everyone's gathered at the Stargate now. The team and Shyla. That's everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <enough> everyone. <laughs> Shyla basically says her dad used to be great, but now he's old and useless, and he only lives to see her married. <laughs> she apologizes to the team for their terrible treatment and. Then offers the friendship of their world. Jack's like, well, <laughs> cool. thanks. Great. Yeah. <laughs> so excited about that. Shyla says they will always be welcomed and respected now. The team has nothing to say to this. Daniel leans in yeah. and they have a nice smoosh as Sam dials home. And he says, I'll, I'll be, be back. back. <laughs> 
<laughs> he also gives her a really creepy look, like a yeah. creepy, lecherous look. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, I don't know, creepy creepy look of some sort. I didn't like it. It's no. creepy. <laughs> At the SGC, the team comes through the gate. Hammond is there to greet them. Jack gives a recap of what was going on. He says we had a nice time. Carter picked up some Nakoda. Tilk made friends. Daniel got engaged. <laughs> and Jack is going to go take a shower. They just depart. Hammond stands there open mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I realized this was a good summary of the episode so far. And we could have just used that as the uh, first the <laughs> recap and called it a day we up could've. to this point. Oh, that would have saved us <laughs> so <Right>? much effort. <laughs> This was like, what, two-thirds of the way yeah. into the episode at this point? Thanks, Jack. Oh, if only we'd known, we could have just skipped ahead to that. <laughs> Truth. A little while later in the infirmary, Daniel is sitting there being pissed off that they're insisting that he get checked out. And Sam gives him the very scientific explanation that Dr. Fraser says his systems are all out of whack. A bit later in the lab, Sam is doing something with some metal stuff which i would assume is her little box of naquita that she brought back with her and daniel is pacing restlessly around and says he can't get her out of his head and by her i think we can safely assume that he's talking about shyla and he thinks he's made a big mistake i've made a huge mistake and sam's like you can't possibly be serious because you remember you have a wife and daniel's like well i did have a wife but how long am i really supposed to wait for her i mean come on and even if i find her she's not going to be the same Sam tries to explain to him again that his endorphin levels are way off and he's not right right now. And the sarcophagus has had what seems to be like a narcotic effect on him and he'll feel better, just needs to kind of wait it out. And Daniel's like, well, if the thing makes you smarter and stronger and you live for hundreds of years, then what is so bad about that? He really doesn't see any problem here, but Sam's like, well, no, there's really a problem because maybe this is what makes the gold so evil maybe it's altering their brain chemistry and their adrenaline levels maybe papyrus used to even be a decent man and look how it's changed you so far you're acting like someone that needs a fix and you're just not yourself and daniel's like well we need to keep studying it and i'm gonna go back and sam's like she just used the rest of us to get you addicted to that thing and Daniel gets really pissed with her at that point and breaks some equipment and gets all up in her face. And he's like, you have never even known what love is, which is super harsh. And she looks really yeah. sad about that and says that the Daniel that she knows never would have said something like that. And then Daniel throws a bunch more stuff on the ground, breaking it and storms off. Yeah. He's uh, a little yes, unhinged. unhinged. That's yeah. the word I was looking for. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little, a little bit. Sam is concerned, so she goes to Hammond and says that Daniel needs to be confined. But Daniel walks in and plops down his resignation on Hammond's desk, so maybe it's not a problem. Did you notice how many pages were no. in that? <laughs> Did he write a manifesto? I, mean, like, I, I yeah, it was like a at least several pages. Like it looked like a pamphlet or like a or like a booklet or you know like multiple pages that he was throwing down on the desk. A, a not insignificant stack <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah like you said like a yeah. manifesto he's got a, lot, he's got a lot to say about his time here and how apparently no one respects him and understands love so <laughs> apparently he wants to go back to shyla and the sarcophagus 
Jack is standing there as well, and he says that his request is denied, but we don't get any further argument because Daniel collapses. There's a medical emergency. Dun, dun, dun. There is. (laughs) In the infirmary, Dr. Fraser finishes examining a very out-of-it Daniel and reports to Sam, Jack, and Hammond that his biochemistry is all over the place. She's talking about, like, his adrenaline and his various other levels of chemicals. Jack is like, well, what's going on with him? And Dr. Fraser says she really doesn't know. She's given him some kind of sedative, but he seems to be in a kind of massive physical withdrawal, presumably from the sarcophagus. Daniel suddenly starts yelling that he needs to go back and that they're killing him. And he tries to get up despite the sedative he's just been given. So they all go and hold him down and she gives him yet another sedative. Fraser's looking through a microscope saying that Daniel's cells have lost the ability to function properly and he's getting worse by the hour. Yes. Science. (laughs) Tilk says that the sarcophagus could keep him alive. Sam says we cannot let him go back. She explains that the sarcophagus will take away everything that Daniel is. It seems to have already, mostly. Yeah. And that they should wait out the symptoms. Which is a little dangerous because, I mean, not for most drugs, but for some things, withdrawal symptoms can actually be deadly. But I was going on the assumption that Sam, using Jolinar's memory, I guess, would know that it wouldn't necessarily be deadly to go through withdrawal. Hope so. I mean, their only other choice is to keep letting him use it and like... Right. I don't know. Not good choices. Yeah. Anyway, a little while later in the infirmary, Daniel is struggling with his restraints. Jack comes in and asks Frazier for a report and she says that he thinks he's actually getting better. His chemical levels are returning closer to normal. They're not there yet, but they're on their way and his cell function seems to be improving but the next few hours should give a better idea of his prognosis. And, oh, look, time for another sedative. Woo! Yeah. So Fraser goes in to see Daniel to give him that sedative. Jack's watching on a monitor, but he then kind of walks away from it. Fraser moves closer to Daniel, and he attacks her. He's loose. Yep. Oh, no. He's managed to completely free himself, and then he also beats the crap out of a guard. Yep. He is... And he tosses Fraser yeah. and he eats her over the yeah. bed. <laughs> and he is red and sweaty and wild-eyed. Jack notices then that Daniel is gone. So he runs down to see Fraser. She says she's okay. Don't know about the guard. Jack pushes the alarm, which is good. Alarms are good. Yeah. And he runs after Daniel. Yeah. Out in the hallway, Daniel is running from Jack and goes through some door, closing it behind him. And... Jack goes in, the room's dark, he turns on the light, and we see that it's some sort of a storage room. For whatever reason, the light overhead explodes. Yeah, that was weird. I, yeah, they, Jack Jack asks if Daniel's trying to kill him, and implies that Daniel somehow blew out the light, but you know, to, everything we've seen so far has not indicated that he's got any like telepathic powers at this point, so I don't really know how that tracks. But anyway, Daniel's like, well, you're trying to kill me because I have to go back. And Jack tries to reason with him that that's not going to happen and that there are guards on their way and that they're going to take it back to the infirmary. And Fraser says he's getting better. Uh, Daniel accuses him of lying. And Jack is, again, trying to console him and tell him, you know, why why would I do that? I have no reason to lie to you about this. They fight. It's quite a fight. Daniel actually tries to strangle yeah. Jack. But Jack actually still manages to overpower him despite the extra like adrenaline and endorphins and stuff that Daniel's got. But 
Then Daniel pulls a gun on him and is looking all wild-eyed. And Jack is pretty incredulous. Even with Daniel being in the state that he is, he's pretty skeptical that Daniel's actually going to kill him. But he's like, you know, I know it is like, you know, you're not going to kill me and that you can get through this. Daniel kind of has a breakthrough at this point and starts to cry, puts the gun down. Jack takes it from him and then gives him a big hug. Aww. Yeah. In the conference room at some point a little later, I'm presuming. Somewhat later. Perhaps even a little longer than a little later. I don't know why I'm saying all of this. (laughs) Later on in the conference room, Sam is briefing Hammond that P3H826 will be a good mission for SG-1. Daniel then comes in looking normal. And suggests they go back to P3R636, which is the sarcophagus slash Shyla planet. He's got his glasses back uh, on, so I think that's supposed to be our, like, our concrete <laughs> indicator that he is back to I, his I think his self. hair is also straighter again, because you notice during... Yeah. He had a little curl to his hair through a lot of this, so... Yeah, it's back to its normal, like, floppiness, not... So he, he used, he's, he's back to using his blow dryer... Yeah. <laughs> um, he argues that there are innocent humans on that world that need freeing from this slavery and they can offer them new ways of mining the Nakwita and they could also pick up some Nakwita themselves. They don't even know if the gold will notice if they stop sending the Nakwita. Like, it's been hundreds of years. Who knows? I think that that's... A pretty big gamble to yeah. take. I mean, like, Nakwita is apparently really important to this society. So do you really think they're not going to notice if their supply suddenly dries up? So. I find that to be a bit of a stretch. But Sam chimes in that there are countless applications for the Nakwita. So it's a good reason to try to go back there. Hammond's like, uh, last time you guys were enslaved. So maybe. No. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel says he's offering a diplomatic solution to this issue. He appeals to Jack that they need to take this chance. Jack turns to Hammond and says, we can back him up, sir. And I'd like Daniel back on the team. So, of course, Hammond says yes to all of it. Of course. (laughs) There was never going to be any other outcome once Jack Right. Obviously not. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Back on the other planet in the throne room, Shyla is standing there looking very forlorn and crying. Daniel stands in the doorway and just drops his vest on the floor as he comes in. <laughs> I made note of that too. <laughs> was weird. It was weird. <laughs> Why don't you just drop your shit? Like, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, he walks up to her and without looking at him, she says that she didn't think he was ever going to come back. And apparently her father passed on while they were gone and he says he was sorry to hear about that and then he says he was sorry about everything and i was like but what does he have to be sorry for she is the one that got him addicted to the sarcophagus and used his friends so i mean like i get that he is i guess apologizing for backing out of the marriage but like really he she used him and his friends so i didn't think he had anything that he should be apologizing for here but anyway he apologizes and Shiloh's like, well, you never really did love me, did you? And Daniel's, of course, trying to console her still. And is like, I wouldn't be here if I didn't care. And Shyla is feeling quite sorry for herself, saying she doesn't deserve to live after what she did, which 
I found disturbing, seeing as she tried to kill herself yes. before. And are they hopefully they're going to send somebody to to help her deal with her mental health issues because oh. this is dangerous yes. talk that should not be ignored. And Daniel tries to console her that yes, you do. Your people need you, and you can lead them without turning into your father. You just need to stop using that sarcophagus, and it's going to be bad, but you can do it. So didn't take a whole lot of convincing on her part, because th- at that point, she goes up and gets the staff from behind the throne and shoots the sarcophagus. And thankfully, it didn't explode <laughs> like the last one that they shot <laughs> with a staff weapon, because there was nothing between them and the sarcophagus. So if it had exploded, they would have both died. And... That's the episode. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was... Yep. <laughs> I I was wondering... It's a random stray thought I had was, how long do staff weapons last? Like, this thing is 700 years old, I'm guessing. Yeah. Good job. Woo! Yeah. Very good yeah. question. Yeah. This episode. Yeah. Did you like this episode, Kathy? I... It was fine. I... It was a weird episode. I don't know how it to... Was. I guess I was like, what is the point of this episode? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and there were some things that kind of moved things along. Now that, like, now they have a line on some Naquita and you learn more things yeah. about the sarcophagus and that Sam yeah. has really, like, got some Jolinar residue in her system. Residue. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. <laughs> residual Jolinar and (laughs) so that's all that's all interesting and things that could be helpful maybe in their continuing adventures it was just weird and I don't think I liked it I I mean it was like Daniel got addicted to a sarcophagus and then he was better so it was a nice contained episode but it was it just felt really I don't know I also did not like the episode for many reasons (laughs) Um, Well, one thing I'm realizing that I really don't like Daniel as a character as much as I did when I've watched this through in the past. And yeah, I know that he wasn't necessarily supposed to be likable, but this was just one of many episodes where I've just been disgusted with things that he's done or said or just didn't enjoy watching his character doing whatever it was doing. And I don't know if it's I mean, I, I still really love James Spader's portrayal of Daniel in the movie. But I don't like Daniel all that much in this show. And I'm not sure if it's just the way that they wrote him or if it's Michael Shanks' portrayal of him. I suspect maybe it's a little bit of a combination of both. Um, but he just often, as I've said, is is doing bad things or being whiny or, you know, they're calling him the conscience of the group when he's made some very morally yeah. questionable decisions on many, many occasions. And so I guess this episode was kind of just like an amplification of that because he's made some some questionable decisions in the past and done some bad things in the past and then this is just like amplifying bad behavior when he's like letting his friends be held prisoner and not really doing anything to help them and yeah um so i mean so that was part of the issue and also there's like a lot of mental health stuff going on that they're just kind of like playing off uh in this like the the suicide you know suicide and suicidal ideation are very dangerous and they just like play it off like oh but well he saved her so she's totally yeah, fine oh, now your people need and, you that's enough that's yeah, enough to get you through. yeah like he saved her in the beginning so she's not suicidal anymore and then here at the end when she's again saying i don't deserve to live and he's like no your people need you it's fine um you you can't you can't just ignore that 
somebody who's having suicidal thoughts needs to be seeking yeah. help and also the whole the whole addiction thing like they i think they really downplay the severity and the seriousness of it of addicted problems by saying well you know we just we just keep him from from accessing the thing he's addicted to and he's all fine no uh no repercussions to his physical or mental health yeah. or anything beyond just you know he went through withdrawal for a while and now he's fine so i had some issues with them downplaying the the seriousness of mental health issues that are really very serious in real life. Uh, And I think that that contributes to the dangerous stigma that we have on these things in society when people are struggling with these things and they can't just as easily get over them as they do in movies or in shows, because in real life, these are very hard issues to, to overcome. So it, you know, me getting up on my, my mental health soapbox, but I think that it was, it's irresponsible for TV shows and movies to handle them in this way and kind of brush them off as not being a big deal when they really are. Yeah. So no, yeah. I didn't like the episode. <laughs> Reasonable. And I agree with you on yeah. a lot of that. Um, should we talk about the next episode? Or is that where yes. we're at? Yes. Let's talk. Hopefully that's something better to talk about. I, hope, I hope it will be something better. Let us... see okay the next episode of stargate sg1 is season two episode six thor's chariot the sg1 team returns to the planet samaria after learning the gold have invaded and they make some striking discoveries on the planet who would have thought that the gold would come back and invade them after they destroyed their one thing that would defend them against the gold? OMG. Yeah, it's a real shock. That is shocking to me. There are consequences to their actions. What? I know. Crazy. That's unbelievable. <laughs> Alright, well that's it for us today. Thank you for listening. As always, we appreciate you being here. If you haven't already done so, make sure that you subscribe to us on your podcatcher of choice. We are pretty much everywhere, and that way you'll get our episodes as soon as they come out, or you can also find us on YouTube. Reviews and likes are very much appreciated since it helps other people find our podcast, and word of mouth is also great too. So please tell your friends, family, and anyone else that you think would enjoy the show. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at stargatesing at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter. We are at stargatesing there. We are patreon.com slash stargatesing if you're feeling generous and would like to help support the show. Donations will help cover the costs of production and will also help us to hopefully do some new and cool things in the future that we are thinking about and planning. And you can, of course, check out our website at stargatesing.space. I'm Mary. I'm Kathy. And you've been listening to Stargatesing, the end. The end. Papyrus. Papyrus. You know what I've thought is weird as we were rewatching Eureka? This doesn't really have much. Well, it does kind of have to do with something, but I thought that it was weird that Eureka uses the papyrus text in their opening credits for the first few seasons. I don't even think I noticed that. <laughs> yeah, I definitely. It's just an odd choice. <laughs> Eureka's an odd show, so you know. <laughs> I love show, it. It's so. good. I'm really enjoying our rewatch. Yeah.